Testing one, two, three. There we are. There we go. So the, the, the last song, I wonder how we've done my best for Jesus, really goes quite well with the morning's message. Um, and I was between two messages uh, in for this afternoon and furthering on, talking about and explaining uh, throughout more scripture uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Um, and between another message that the Lord put on my heart, and I'm just not sure which one we're going to go with. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I, I thank you for your word and the truth that is so very present in your word. God, I pray that you would bless us as we study it. Father, I pray that you give me a leading in which message to preach. God, I pray that you just have your way, Father. How important it is for your spirit to have your way in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to, to be what you call us to be, Lord. Lord, we can only do it in you, Father, as we rely upon you, as we gather our strength from you. Lord, I, I trust that, uh, that, you would, that you would work in our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. An interesting story. I've shared it a couple times over the last, the last week or so since I came back from our, our uh, anniversary getaway. Um, I, was, we, I was blessed to be able to go and see George Whitfield's um, tomb and where he's buried. Um, and I learned a lot of things I didn't know about him and some stories that were rather interesting, which I'm going to get into here in, in a moment. Um, but if you would, take your Bibles to John 7. Look at, with me to verse 37 through 39. John chapter 7, verse 7 through 39. We're going to read these verses. This is the text um, of what we're going to get into uh, this afternoon. It says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, we were down in, down in uh, New Airport uh, talking to uh, the, uh, the tour guide. He he, he took us down to the crypt, and it's downstairs. If you've, if you've never been there, I encourage you to. They're real nice. They'll 
I just I sent them an email. They gave me a tour. It was uh, all they asked for a donation. Doesn't cost anything, but I got to see all kinds of really cool things. But one of the things, uh, the, the coolest thing, I didn't get to see. But I'll get to that in a minute. They took us down to the crypt, and and downstairs it's 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 kind of dark. It's dingy. It's a it's a crypt. It's what you expect of a crypt. Uh, they have a plaque there. It has on the side of, on the plaque next to next to where he's buried. It's, there's a little opening where you can see where he's buried, but it's it's blocked off, and it's blocked off for a reason. Uh, uh, there's a there's a large piece of granite that overlays his his grave site. Uh, the the pastor of the first church. Uh, Parsons, the pastor that was there after after he came, uh, he is is laid there. His body was laid there, and then another evangelist, a blind evangelist who traveled back in those days, who was a friend of Whitfield's, is buried on the other side of Whitfield. And they have this this large marble uh, covering on top of it. Now, the reason for the large marble covering is because when they first buried him, uh, well, people kind of got this thought in their heads that if they could be near him or they could touch him, or if they could take part of him with him, that there might be some kind of, I see the looks on your faces, Marge, is, <laughs> that, that uh, they could receive a special blessing. Uh, the first time it happened was, uh, how many of you remember Benedict, Benedict Arnold, your American history? Uh, not somebody that we look fondly on, uh, uh, but this was before the Revolutionary War. This was uh, 1773, uh, shortly within months of, of, uh, of George Whitfield's death. Uh, in fact, he was very, very uh, instrumental in the starting of the Revolution because of what he preached. The state should be separate from the church, and he, had, he was against the king having any authority over, over mankind. And so, uh, but anyways, uh, that's beyond the point. Uh, so, Benedict Arnold is, is on his way north with a band of, uh, of, of soldiers. They're, they're headed up to, to, to fight a battle. Uh, I'm not sure which battle it was. Uh, it was up into, uh, they're going up into Canada, and they stopped there because they wanted, a, they wanted some kind of a blessing. They asked the, uh, the pastor of the church if they could go down and just have a moment of silence around the casket. So they went downstairs, and they stood around the crypt. And then they asked for, Benedict Arnold asked for something more strange, he said, "Can you open the, the casket?" And the and the the the, uh, the man thought it weird, but it's you know a general in the army. Maybe I should listen to him. So they opened the casket. One of the men, also known as Aaron Burr, you may recognize the name. Uh, uh, later on, vice. I believe vice president, but uh, he killed somebody. Uh, but uh, uh, he, he reached in the casket and started cutting off parts of wigs and part of his clothing and handing it out to the other officers that were there. The reason they did that is because they thought there would be a, like a good luck charm or a good omen or the blessing of God might go with them into the battle. Unfortunately, however, they found out, just like the Israelites did back when they tried to take the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant into battle, uh, that, that, well, it didn't work and they lost the battle. But that didn't stop people. Over the years, uh, many different parts of George Whitfield were taken, uh, uh, and, and to the point where they put they decided the city decided they were going to put that black piece of marble over top of uh, the grave side, so that it couldn't be broken into any longer. Uh, so they couldn't people couldn't sneak in. If somebody broke into it, they'd have to destroy the crypt. So uh, so they did that. But before they did that, they they sent letters all out to all over the place, trying to find uh, whatever pieces had been taken away and ask them, please return the the pieces. And they were inundated with with fingertips and uh, toes and uh, pieces of bone, uh, pieces of his hair, pieces of clothing that had been taken. Uh, the, the largest piece that was returned was a forearm. Uh, 
It's about that big. They still have the box that was returned in. Uh, it was accidentally taken, uh, but <laughs> I say accidentally taken. The person who asked for something to be given, gotten from George Whitfield, meant one of the letters that he had sent George Whitfield, not a part of his body. Uh, and it was it was misunderstood. Somebody stole it, brought it back to him. He shipped it back. It was, it was it with with many apologies. Unfortunately, there's one thumb still missing. Now, it's not missing. Uh, uh, they, they, they hit the deadline. They closed it up, and the thumb showed up uh, a little while later. I believe it's in, at Yale College. It was auctioned off to Yale College as you know, part of George Whitfield. Why would anybody do that? It doesn't make sense that somebody would think that, that there is some kind of special power left in a body or left in, in, in a person. But... Uh, as I, as I thought about it and I meditated upon it, man, they've been doing that all throughout the Word of God and all throughout history. There's some kind of power in a person or power in a, a, a piece of furniture that, that, that if they just had that or if they were just closer to that, they could be something more than they are. Back in the Old Testament, uh, there were times when God's Spirit rested on certain people. We know that He rested upon Saul. But there came a point in Saul's life when the Spirit of God no longer rested upon Saul. In fact, God rejected Saul as king of Israel. And Saul's life went down in a downward spiral from that point on. We know that David was a man who the Spirit of God rested on. The Spirit of God didn't indwell people back then. He would rest upon certain people for specific purposes. Samson was a man of God that God chose that the Spirit of God rested upon. But when Samson broke all the vows that had been made, the final vow was broken when his hair was cut. And the Bible says he went out, what does it say? Not knowing the Spirit of God had left him. He thought he was just like he had been before. And he went out, but all the strength was gone. Now, it was a supernatural strength. He was supernaturally strong with the Spirit of God upon him. And the men of God, all throughout history, with the Spirit of God upon them, did things that other people just, just look at and say, wow, that's amazing. How could they do that? And you, look at, you look at Saul, you look at David, you look at uh, Moses and Aaron, and uh, just the, the, the men that God used in the Bible. None of them were perfect men, but we, we see those names and we lift them up high above every other name and say, those people were, were special people. Now, there are people used of God, but, but they're just people. I, don't want, I, don't want, I want you to understand that, 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 that it was only by God's grace that Noah built that ark. It, all, it, was, it, was, it was because God called Moses. Uh, God used Moses as a fulfillment of the prophecy that he had told Abraham 430 years before. That, that he would bring Israel out of Egypt. It was all planned by God, but it wasn't that Moses was... I, I don't, and, I, and I'm not trying to, to downplay what God did, did through them, but it was God that did it, not them. Remember, Moses had that rod. At first it was the, the rod of God, and then it was the rod of Moses. Well, it started out as Moses' rod, right? Remember that, that rod that he, was, he would, he would uh, herd the sheep with? But, but when God said, cast it down, it didn't become Moses' rod anymore. It cast it down, and it turned into a snake. It became known as the rod of God and the word of God. It, it was that same rod that he held up with, with his arms while, while, the, while the armies fought beneath him. And as long as he kept his arms up, they, 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 they would be able to, 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 to uh, win the battle. But if he put the rod down or lowered his arms, he had to have men help him hold his arms up because... He was just a man. And as I went back and I looked in Scripture, I found different times 
When men did, do you remember in John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to, to, uh, uh, to, to Nicodemus? And you, probably, you may remember the story from the book of, uh, of Exodus where he said, uh, he said uh, so as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now, do you remember the story? The people of Israel sinned against God. God had sent serp, uh, serpent, uh, flaming serpents to come down. They, they bit the people. They would die this terrible death. But as the, the people prayed and asked God to help them, God told Moses to, to make a brazen serpent and to lift it up upon a rod. And the, those that looked upon the rod would be saved. Remember that? That's not the only time it's mentioned in Scripture. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18. Remember Hezekiah, a good king? So now, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. Notice what he did, what he did in verse 4. He removed the high places, and break the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Why? You would think that that would be something that would be honored and treasured. Because it says, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. Why would they do that? Because mankind has a has a way of taking things that are not God that are not God and turning them into gods. They, uh, things that things that were sacred and they begin to worship. Uh, they, they they stood for something, and they, they, but they but they're not what they're supposed to be. They, they make them something they're not. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? We won't turn there, but in First Samuel chapter four, the Ark of the Covenant is stolen. How did it get stolen? If you remember, they go out to battle the Philistines the first day, and they were losing the battle. So they come back the next day, and they said, guess what? Today we're going to go out with the ark. We're going to, we're going to bring the ark of the covenant and the power of God with us, and we are going to win this battle. And it says they brought the ark of the covenant into, in, in, into, the, 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 into, into the camp, and the Israelites cheered so loudly that the, that the Philistines were terrified, thinking that God must be doing something over there. But then they went to battle. What happened? The Philistines quit to you like men, is what they told themselves. And they went out and fought. They didn't let the fear get a hold of them. And they kicked the snot out of Israel. And they took the ark. Why? Because there was no power in the ark. The power was in God. And if you remember what, what it was that, that Eli said just before he fell over uh, and died, uh, uh, or his daughter said Ichabod uh, must, uh, was written upon uh, Israel. I mean, the, the, the spirit of God uh, had left Israel. Uh, there was no spirit in the ark. It was just a piece of furniture. Now, while it was something that sat in the Holy of Holies, while it was something that was, that was a picture of the, the, the mercy seat of Christ, while it was something special it wasn't to be that's not where the power of God was in 2nd Kings chapter 13 we find Elisha now here he's at the end of his life 
But do you remember uh, when Elijah kind of came to the, towards the end of his ministry and he, he had grown weary. In fact, uh, it's that time where he sat down beside the tree and said, Lord, just kill me. Uh, and, and then he went and God, God gave him some food to eat, gave him the strength to travel a little bit and then spoke to him in that still small voice and told him that he wasn't quite done with him yet. And he, but he gave him a helper. He told him to go find Elisha and to, to, to cast his mantle upon Elisha. And we talk about the mantle of, uh, of Elijah being cast upon Elisha. When, when uh, Elisha was asked what he wanted, he said to give him a double portion of what, what Elijah had. And then talk about the mantle falling from heaven. And he grabs that mantle and he goes to the, back to the river that he and Elijah had just crossed. And he's seen uh, Elijah miraculously, miraculously strike the waters and walk across the dry ground. And he says, where is the God of Elijah? And he struck her with that mantle. And we put so much emphasis on that mantle. But it was not the mantle. That had anything to do with what happened. It had to do with the, the power of God, the spirit of God that had rested upon Elijah. It, it, the, the mantle was just a picture of, of that, that spirit of God that rested upon Elijah. And, and it, he, he asked for a double portion. And man, what, a, what a thing to ask for. What's interesting to note is that in Scripture, if you count the number of miracles that Elijah did, Elisha did, Exactly twice as many with this last one in 2 Kings chapter 13 as a part of that. What is that? Well, in, chapter, in, in chapter, or 2 Kings chapter 13, uh, he's coming to the end of his life. He's sick. The king comes to him and, sit, and, and, and he, gives, he, he tells him to shoot an arrow out the window. And he shoots the arrow out of the window. He says, you're going to attack Assyria uh, from, the, from, from the north. And, and he goes, now take this bundle of arrows and strike the ground. And, and the king grabbed the bundle and he hit the ground three times, and Elisha was angry. He said, you should have hit it four, five, six times, uh, and they would have been destroyed, but because you only hit it three or four times, you'll have three victories over, over the, the Syrians, and then they're going to rise up again. And, and then that was the end of that, that, that prophecy, and the next verse says he died. And he was buried in a cave or in a sepulcher. In those days, the Philistines were rising up, or the, the, the enemy was rising up, and... and this band of enemy was coming towards these men that were trying to bury their friend. And so they just, since they were in a hurry, they grabbed their friend and they threw him in a grave. It happened to be where Elisha was. And when his body landed upon the bones of Elisha, it said he stood up. That would have been terrifying. But if you count that last rising of the dead, he had exactly two times the number of miracles. The Spirit of God was upon him in double portion as it was with... with but listen, we, we think of the... And, and I thought that was the first thing I thought of when I thought of people taking parts of George Whitfield, that he was so such a powerful preacher, such a, a powerful man of God that people wanted to have a little something that maybe God would bless them with. And I, I said in the beginning that the, the greatest thing that was there, I didn't get to see it. I really, really, really wanted to see it. On, on top of that crypt, there, there are two molds. One is of, of, the, of his skull. It was a mold done of a skull because of some scientific experiments they were doing, trying to figure out how he could speak to so many people all at the same time. They wanted to measure different things. They would not send the skull, so they made a, a cast mold of the skull. The second is the cast mold of his Bible. Now, they have his Bible in a safe, Somewhere in that building. I was close to it at some point because we walked all over that place from the bell tower to the crypt. But I never got to touch it. And man, I would have loved to touch it. I would have loved to hold it. But not because there's a special power in the Bible that he held. The power wasn't in George Whitfield. 
The power in his preaching wasn't in the Bible that he held or the cloth that he wore or, or even the way that he preached. It was the spirit by which he preached. And sometimes we, we get this idea in our heads that there are, there, there are things that we cannot attain. That other men of God who are specially blessed by God, they could do it. But can I, can I tell you this? That you don't have anything less than what they have in ability to attain what, what God has given to us to, to help us to perform those things. You can be the greatest soul winner ever known to man if you would yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and, and allow God to use you. You could be the greatest servant. You could be the greatest deacon. You could be the great. You could be the greatest whatever God wants you to be if you're yielded to the Holy Spirit of God to do something in your life. In the book of Acts, chapter two, we see uh, them being filled. Uh, throughout the book of Acts, we see a series. And for for sake of time, uh, we won't go through the through all of all of the different uh, verses. But uh, you see them being filled with the Spirit and preaching, uh, uh, and the power of God falling down and and filling them with the Spirit, and then speaking in tongues and doing other things. The uh, Acts chapter one tells us this. Uh, turn to Acts chapter one. We won't go to the rest of them, but Acts chapter 2, verse 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Acts, uh, then verse 31, Acts 6, 10, uh, Acts 8, 29, Acts 9, 17, Acts 13, 9, 13, 52, all talking about when they were being filled with the Spirit, worked and served in the power of the Spirit of God, and God did amazing things in all of those situations. But in Acts chapter 1, we find out why, because the Spirit of God is given to us for the purpose of service. get there myself. Acts chapter 1, he says, he says this, verse 8, oh, sorry, verse 7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own, how, in his own power. They just asked about whether his kingdom was coming. Again, they, they can't seem to get past that, that question. And he says, it's not for you to know the time of the seasons, knowing that. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. They were to go and they were to wait in Jerusalem until the, spirit, or the power of the Spirit of God uh, uh, came upon them. Now listen, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is not a power. Uh, we need to be very sure that, we, that we're very, I'm very clear on that. There is power in the Spirit of God. Uh, the, the Spirit of God works in us, and the Spirit of God works through us, but he is not just this unknown power. It is the Spirit of God. He indwells us, he gifts us, he, he enables us. In fact, in the Bible even says that he has a will, uh, that, that, each, that he gives gifts to us different things as, as he wills. That's the Spirit of God that does that. Uh, so he has a will for your life. God has a will for Rich's life. And the Spirit of God has, has a desire to empower you to do whatever it is that he's called you to do. And whatever that is, Rich, you can, you can be the best there is, not because of who you are. Or how talented you are. Because we all know that's not true. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Because it doesn't have to do with us. What does the Bible say? God doesn't use anything noble. God doesn't use anything wise. Because if, if we try to do things in our own strength and power, and this is the problem, to be honest with most of us. We're trying to do things in our own strength, and our own ability, and in our own power, and in our own wisdom. 
You don't have to do it that way. If you do it that way, guess what? You'll only be able to do what you can do. But if we will humble ourselves and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we'll be amazed at what God can do through us. We, we, we want to be uh, soul winners. We want God to use us to get the gospel out. I can go out and tell all kinds of people that Jesus died, but I should do it in the spirit and the power of God. Amen? Second, or First Thessalonians tells us, when Paul went, to, went there, he says, you know how we were when we came unto you. That it wasn't the words, but it was the power with which they spoke. Well, it's not some unknown power. That power comes through their yielding to the word, to the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 1, again, he says, he says uh, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then, it doesn't say, and then, but you can infer that, and ye shall be witnesses. They were to wait until the power of the Spirit of God came upon them. And once that happened, they were to then go out and serve. Why? Because God empowers us, the Spirit of God empowers us to serve. The Spirit of God empowers us to serve, enables us to do uh, supernatural things. And when I say supernatural, I don't mean you're going to get up there and do magic tricks. Or not gonna, I'm not saying we're going to heal people or speak in tongues or, or, or unknown languages. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that you're going to be able to, to minister when you can't minister on your own. And you're going to have the strength to endure when you don't have the strength to endure on your own. When, when, when you're exhausted and can't seem to take a, a step further, the Spirit of God will renew you inwardly and help you to move forward and continue on in the face of what would just seem overwhelming oppression. Listen, we have a Spirit of God who dwells in us for that purpose. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, John chapter 14, verse 15, and through 17, both tell us that, that, that if the, the Spirit of God, if we're saved, then the Spirit of God is in us. If the Spirit of God is not in us, then we are not saved. We are not His. And if you're here today and you're saved, you have in you what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 7, that river of living water that flows up within you. Listen, uh, turn back to John. I want to look at this verse uh, quickly for just a moment. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. It says, in the last day, verse 37, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Same thing he said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He didn't tell her what the, the water was that she could drink of, but, but, but here he, he, he lets us know that it's the Holy Spirit. He says, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly, or, or his heart, his innermost being, shall flow the rivers of living, shall flow rivers of living water. And the source of that river is not in you or me. The source of that river is not in you or me. The source of that river is God Almighty. The, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And because that, that, that source uh, is in you, it will flow forever and ever and ever and ever, no matter what circumstances you're in, that, 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 that it will still flow and it will still bubble up uh, so that when, when you need strength, guess what? The Spirit of God can give you strength. When you need hope, the Spirit of God uh, wells up within you and reminds you of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Christ. When, when you need wisdom, you can pray, and the Spirit of God will, will rise 
rise up within you and you'll have the wisdom that you need. If you need power to preach, if you need power to serve, guess what? The Spirit of God will be there. As long as we're relying upon the, the, the fountain that is within us, we will have everything that we need to do what God has called us to do. The problem is we stop up the fountain and say, let me do it myself. And then we get tired. Or we get hurt. Or any innumerable amount of things can happen to us. That, 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 we, that we become overwhelmed. And, and we say, Why, where is my joy? It's inside of you. Listen, there are times that I look at some people, how could they have joy in their life when I think of the struggles that they've gone through, the difficulties they have faced. There's a book, there's a, R.A. Torrey is an author. He was the assistant pastor to, and the pastor after D.L. Moody. But he wrote in his book that after his child had died, he had seen her, she was sick with a fever. He thought she was getting better. He left for the day, came back, and she was gone. And he talked about just the overwhelming grief that he faced. She was, she was just a six or seven year old little girl and, and he, was, he was just overwhelmed with grief. And uh, he was on his way into town just kind of walking, uh, just heavy burdened and unable to uh, really get past over the grief. And he fell to his knees, not because he was overwhelmed, because as he walked, he was just praying and asking God to please help. And that peace that passeth all understanding rose up within him in a way that he said, I can't describe it. And I don't understand it. He goes, I just know that I had peace. It's this, this joy that's just unspeakable. That he knew that he was going to see her. Yes, he still grieved over the loss of his daughter, but he had strength to be able to go on through the circumstance. Do you see what I'm saying? God doesn't say, I'm going to take you out of the circumstance. He says, I'm going to be with you in the midst of the circumstance. And, and then he'll give you peace, and he'll give you joy as you rely upon him. Most of the time, we just try to, I can do this. No, we can't. And stop trying to say that you can. Give up. Quit. Fall on your face and ask God to help you. You can't do it. But that spirit that, that flows up within you, just like a, Jesus is the one that described it as this fountain of water that, that flowing. Listen, it is a pure, perfect, beautiful, sweet river that will give you the strength and the power and everything that you need. There is no end. I love that. God is our source. That, that tells us it's infinite. So that we know that it comes from God, but because God is infinite, that source of the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit, we're talking, he's infinite too. If, if we, remember when we had the leak out here, the pipe broke? Now they'll, they'll pump out as much water as we, want to, as we want to buy, but eventually they would have cut it off, especially if we stopped paying the bill. Uh, there are times in our house where, uh, especially during the summer months when they haven't had a whole lot of rain, where the water starts coming up kind of muddy because we're getting to the bottom of the water. We've got to kind of slow down on what we're, uh, let, the, let the well fill back up a little bit. Why? Because there's a limit to that source of water. Even the ocean, you think, well, we could never tap, you, we, you and I could never uh, tap, the, but even that has a limit, right? There's a limit there, but there's no limit when we're talking about the the Spirit of God rising up within us like that flowing fountain. It says, it shall flow rivers of living water. There's life in that water. The same life, the same Spirit that gives you life 
is this, is this water that we're talking about. How does somebody get saved? Well, the Spirit of God opens up their eyes. So how do they get the Spirit of God? You are the conduit of that Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit of God can speak to the heart. The Holy Spirit of God can, 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 can through the Word of God, uh, con- convict their heart. But if, how can they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to go. So we were talking this morning about, about uh, occupying until we come. About, about being busy in what God has called us to do. How do we do it? This is how. See, you can't trade in, sort, in, 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 in something that you don't have any, uh, you don't have any uh, knowledge of or experience with. You can't lead someone to the Lord without having first been led to the Lord yourself. You can't explain salvation unless you know it yourself. And, and, and listen, it takes the Spirit of God to touch their hearts. And first of all, again, just like I said, we pray for that first. Just like that man prayed for or asked for bread from his neighbor. We pray, and then we preach it. But it all comes down to this. We want to be the one who, who says, here, Lord, I took your one talent, and now it has ten. How do we do that? Not through our efforts alone. It's all through the Spirit of God. You know how I get to get up here and preach? It isn't because my ability or my memory Goodness knows my memory is terrible. It has to do with me being yielded to the Spirit of God. And, and those times when I'm more yielded to the Spirit are the times I preach better. And, and listen, I, I'm not saying because I sound better. It has, because it has more of effect. Now, it should be that I'm yielded every time. And I'll, and I'll be honest, I, I pray for that. But sometimes, sometimes I'll get up here in the flesh and I can tell when I do. That's about how far it goes. You'll be glad to know that I have one point, and it is this, that we don't need any special man of God to, to come touch us and lay hands on us, like they did in the, in, in the New Testament. We don't have to have, we don't have to have a George Whitfield's Bible. We don't have to have somebody come along and preach some, some moving emotional message. All we need is the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and we have everything that we need to do and be what God has called us to do and be. And any excuse that we make is only that, an excuse. I was listening to a message yesterday, and they were talking about the great white throne judgment. And now there are many people that say, well, I'm saved, and... and, uh, they can, I've confessed with my mouth that I'm saved. He says it's a whole lot different here than it was in Roman times. Because in Roman times, you would gather together, maybe on a Sunday or the first day of the week, uh, like this, and while you're singing or praying or fellowshipping or whatever you're doing, you start hearing these drums. I, I can't do the drum beat. You start hearing these drums. And the Roman soldiers come to the, come to the, to the front of your house, the house where you're meeting, and they demand that you all pledge your loyalty to Caesar. Uh, what they're carrying is an incense. And you're supposed to come and take a, a drink of the, of the cup and then say that Caesar is Lord. And somebody who isn't really sold out, it's kind of only halfway, we're like, huh, 
Caesar is Lord. But then you see somebody stand up and they'd say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And they'd cut off his head. And then the next one would get up and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. How do you do that? <laughs> By the strength and the power that is in the Holy Spirit. How did Paul walk up to the, that, that, that block where they took off his head? I, I believe he did it without fear. I believe he did it without trembling. History actually tells us that the person who was supposed to chop off his head, after chopping off his head, announced himself to be a Christian, and they chopped off his head. How does, <laughs> how does just your testimony in your death alone enough to cause somebody to turn to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? See, we can, it's, it's not just for service. We're told to live in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. We, we can have victory in our Christian life. We can accomplish all those things that God, he's freed us from our sin. You know how I know that? Because he tells me so in his word. I don't have to sin. But, but being a Christian isn't just not sinning. That's, that's, we're, we're talking about uh, he, he gave us freedom. I'm just, I just, just not dwelling in the filth of, of the sin that he's freed me from. I don't have to do that. But I can refuse to do that. Why? Because of the, the freedom I'm given and I can now walk in Christ. And the Spirit of God living in me will help me to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, even though I still bear about in my body the flesh. The Spirit of God in, for the Christian is everything. God gave us the Spirit of God for a reason. We, we talk about, man, I, I used to think I, I would have loved to have been there in the days of Jesus and, and, and been there with Jesus. In that, in that group, I would have liked to have been there. Well, not, maybe not the 12. I wouldn't have wanted to say as a die, but uh, maybe in the 120. But to be able to sit there and hear the voice of Jesus. But Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away. It was better for them that Jesus would not just die and raise again, but ascend into heaven so that the Holy Spirit could come and indwell us and empower us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Listen, they didn't do it because they were, they were, they were, they were uh, educated men. The Bible tells us they were known to be uh, ignorant men, but they had been with Jesus. The Spirit of God was in them. We have the same thing they had. We have the Word of God in full. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. So what's our excuse? What's our excuse? Do we want it? We can have it. Is there something that we don't want to let go? Because it will cost us. It'll cost us those things, those besetting sins, those, those things that we entangle ourselves in. Uh, to, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, we need to cut ourselves off from the things of the world, be not conformed to it, to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And so that, we are already good Christians. This is a Sunday afternoon. I get it. We're good Christians. You're talking radical things. Yeah, I am. I'm going to be I am. I'm not saying God can't use us the way we are. I'm saying the more we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the better God can use us. The more we yield ourselves to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to change us, the more He'll use us for His honor and for His glory. Is that 
Is that river flowing up in you? You have it blocked off a little bit. We can block it off with pride. We can block it off with any other sin. But it's still there. It's just waiting for the forgiveness and the repentance uh, to flow freely again. Jesus said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I like to drink from a clean source. Now the water's clean, but it's coming from the well that's within me. May God help us to make full use of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for your Word and for your Spirit. Lord, what a, what a blessing he, the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Uh, he does more than just empower us and strengthen us. And, and Lord, I understand that. Uh, Father, I, I pray that you would help us to, to really grasp uh, the, this, this truth in allowing the Spirit to fill us. And Lord, letting him use us for his honor, for your honor and your glory. Lord, helping us to, to do what you called us to do. Lord, we ask for your help. Uh, and, and Lord, we'll, we'll praise you for all that you do, Father, in us. Uh, forgive us of any sin. Lord, help us not to grieve you. Help us not to quench you. Uh, help, us, help us to be filled. And Lord, may you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.